okay. Turn to Isaiah chapter 30. Got a good mixture of stuff today. And from God's word, some song and different things happening. I just believe God's working in this country. And remember, it happens in the national, the natural, and then it uh, is in the spiritual. Isaiah chapter 30. We'll just look at the first five verses because it's a long chapter, but I'm going to be referring to something today because um, you may be asking God, what are you waiting on, Lord? We know God can heal you. We know God saves. We know God heals. We know that God makes whole. He delivers us. So we're asking, Lord, what are you waiting on? Why are we going through this? Let me share with you today about that. So you can stand as we read the word or sit, position yourself before the Lord, and uh, let's read the word together. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in Zoan and their envoys have arrived in Haines. Everyone will be put to shame because of the people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Last week, we talked about establishing a quiet time before the Lord. I don't know. Don't go around because I'm not legalistic, but I am saying this in the sense of I think we're in a really important time of history, obviously. That's not uh, anything prophetic in that sense, and yes, it is. I believe that it is. I believe God is doing great things. I believe that people are praying all over the world for revival and awakening for this nation, and I believe that <clears throat> I know y'all are also. That has been my heart from, for 35 years, and I've been praying that, and I know you have. So last week, I sort of gave a little some guidelines of maybe something that you can establish a quiet time before the Lord. And I mentioned to you that uh, maybe 15 minutes a day as you get quiet before the Lord and ask the Lord to speak to you and, and just whatever comes to your heart that you need to pray for, then pray to the Lord. I mentioned the fact that I'm going back through the Bible again, which I've done over the years, and I start and read a chapter in the Old Testament and then a chapter in the New Testament and then a psalm or a proverb or both, whatever the Lord leads me to do and all. And as I do, I ask God to speak to me before I start reading the Word. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me through His Word. It's His Word. He's penned it on the pages that we can read it, and He still speaks today. And so we're learning to hear from God and learning what is the difference between our thoughts and the words that God speaks to us, because we need to be led by the Lord. We're, being, we're living in perilous times. We're living at a time, I'm sure it's been throughout history, but certainly it seems to be even worse now, a time where people don't seem to have any conscience about taking another person's life. The abortion issue, of course, where they, they, uh, they uh, certainly they tear the embryo, as people they call it, but it's a baby out of the mother's womb. And uh, the uh, move to even take a baby that's almost fully formed or actually out of the womb and then do euthanasia on them and so forth. And so we're living in some evil times. And you and I need to obviously, uh, in our relationship with Jesus, we know, need to know who we are in Christ and who he is in us. We need to know. And so we need to get ready. And one of the ways that we get ready, as I've talked about over the last several weeks, one is that I've talked about we need the power of God. 
Only God can do this. I can't get up here and work it up emotionally. Only God can speak to your heart and convict you that we need God desperately in our lives to come because He is the answer. He is the only answer. It's not a better economy, although I'm glad we seem to have a good, better economy now. It doesn't, all these things we see happening, certainly I'm glad and, and many things, but there is uh, evil in this world today. And so we need the power of God. We talked about that. And we talked about what would revival look like when it came. It would be the fire of God falling. It would be changing us. And I thought about this on the way this morning a, lot, a little bit more as I began to reflect upon it. And that was the fact that what does fire do? Burns. It burns, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Billy? It burns. It burns. It burns off those things that are not like Jesus. Amen. We understand. We see the holiness of God. So the day, I guess what my whole focus would be is, is that I would ask the Spirit of God to, to search your heart and see if there's anything in your life that's not like Jesus and ask Him to take it away. Tell him you don't want it there. Now, I say that today. Obviously, we cooperate with the Lord. That's there. But certainly, it's the Spirit's work in our lives that makes us more like Jesus. The Bible says to walk in the Spirit that you'll not fulfill the lust or gratify the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit. I believe God's teaching us how to walk in the Spirit. The people during this particular time, as you saw the Scripture here, is that the people obviously did not consult the Lord about what they were doing. They went down to Egypt. And Egypt is a symbol of the flesh. And how many of us in this place today have even made big decisions that we didn't pray about it and didn't wait upon the Lord to hear where, what His heart was for us, and then later on, we reap the consequences. I know I have. Times I've not consulted with the Lord. I've not asked Him. One of the things, the basic principles of the word is to ask the Lord, seek him. But many times, see, we want to be independent of the Lord. And this is what the Israelites were during this particular time. And, and he's, uh, God says, I'm just waiting on you. And one of the trans, verse 18 actually says it like this and sort of a paraphrase. And therefore the Lord earnestly wants or waits, expecting, looking and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore he lifts himself up that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are all those who earnestly wait for him, who expect and look and long for him, for his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, and his matchless, unbroken companionship. He's saying to earnestly, you see, God waits for us to turn to him. God waits for us to come and, and to ask Him, Lord, remove this from my life. Maybe it's an attitude you have. Maybe it's motives. Maybe it's something in your heart you know is there. Nobody else knows it's there, but God knows it's there. And so He waits for you to turn to Him and say, Lord, I don't want this in my life anymore. Take it away. And when you do that, that's the first step that God will use to obviously remove that and make you more like Jesus. This whole thing we're here is to be more made more like Jesus. You say, man, <laughs> I don't know if I look like Jesus too much and so forth. Well, we're still, we'll, we are still under construction, aren't we? We're in process. But if you begin, maybe today, and say, Lord, I want you to do this because I believe that what we're saying today is true. 
And so as we wait upon the Lord, and He waits upon us, actually. He wants to bless His people. He wants us to be blessed. He wants that. Now, that blessing may be through some real trials and testings and, and things that we face in life, and that's life. But through that, we'll be able to maintain our joy, which is our strength, and go through that giving praise and glory and honor to God Almighty, you see. And that's what he's waiting on, I believe, even today. And so how is God waiting? You remember the story of Jonah. Everybody in here knows about Jonah, right? Remember he told Jonah to go down and preach to the people at Nineveh. Remember the story? What happened to Jonah? He didn't want to, right? Y'all can participate with me if you want. He didn't, he didn't want to. So what did he do? He went the opposite way. He went the opposite way. So what did God do? He waited on Jonah patiently. But obviously, remember, Jonah was swallowed by big fish. Remember what happened? And Jonah finally came to an end of himself and cried out to God, and the big fish spit him out. And Jonah said, I better do what God told me to do. You remember? He went to Nineveh. He went to Nineveh and preached to him. Now, Nineveh was a very, very dark place, and it was a very sinful place. But he went, Jonah went, reluctantly, maybe, but he went and he preached to the people at Nineveh. And what happened? The people at Nineveh repented. The people of Nineveh had a revival. And Jonah didn't even like that because he didn't like the people of Nineveh. And so he was not happy about that. Remember that? But God waited upon Jonah. He waited until Jonah had done what God told him to do. And maybe some of us here are like Jonah. Maybe God has told us something. Maybe God has said, you know, I want you to get your life right and so forth. And we continue to, to ignore the promptings of his spirit in our life. And what do we do? We run the opposite way, don't we? We sometimes just move away. We're like, I don't want to deal with that. I mean, that person hurt me bad. That person, I was ministering to a person this past week and, and uh, we're talking to them about, obviously they've been through some real tough stuff and they've been wounded by uh, their husband. They've been wounded through life and all people have, have, uh, have spoken bad things about them and so forth and all. And uh, basically what I said was, you know, have you, have you released them? Have you forgiven that man that you, um, that you obviously divorced years ago that hurt you bad, who ran around on you? Have you forgiven them? You see, you know, we hold on to that. And that person that did that to us, they're not hurting in that sense. We're the ones in bondage. And so God waits on us to forgive, doesn't he? That's one of the main things about it. People who have hurt us in life. Do you know sometimes the main bondages that we're in, the chains that entrap us actually have been caused because somebody has wounded you and wounded me. And God is waiting to break those chains off of us if we'll forgive. I mean forgive. It doesn't mean in any way that you don't remember it. Because you've been hurt. I've been hurt by people that, before. I've been hurt badly. And all of us here have. But what it means is, is we release that into God's hands. And uh, First Peter, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for us. And just like spoken here, uh, some of the things we face in life, you know, as Janet has spoken of, is that the things we, we, we keep, we give it to the Lord. We give it to the Lord. And they become less and less of a burden on us. We can't carry it, folks. We cannot carry that burden. Revival comes, and those burdeners lay down at the foot of the cross. But you see, that's one of the things maybe God is waiting on. It could be many things. 
It could be that God has called you to do something in service to him, whatever it may be. Remember? Remember, you know, and, and, and you've, you've been touched by the Lord and you're saying, no, I don't want to do that because what about how am I going to afford this or how am I going to be able to do this? I'm maybe, you know, up in age and so forth. And yet it keeps hitting on you. So I've got something I've got to do for God. You know, in, in all the years I did chaplaincy with, with hospice, the terminally ill people, people would tell me and they would be close to going home to be with the Lord and, and they would tell me, Lord, is Jim, it's something I know I'm supposed to do for the Lord. I, I, you know, I, I want to I work till the Lord. I want to do something and all. And I said, look, you know, God's going to show you. You have an open heart to do what God wants you to do. He'll, he has a way of showing us, doesn't he? Maybe that's what God is waiting on. The people here, the Israelites, they kind of did their own thing. And yet we know God, the Bible says, is slow to anger actually is, is that. Now listen to this, Second Peter chapter 3. Y'all know this scripture. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and eternal life. You see, why is God waiting? There are a lot of people around us that don't know the Lord. There are a lot of people, and I'm not talking about having some type of, of intellectual, yeah, there's a God out there. You know, the devil believes in God. But do we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the question today. And God's saying, I'm waiting until you come to that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you see, those people will go before the Lord and say, yeah, I believed in God. I, I believed in God and so forth. And they have no evidence of anything happening in their lives. If you know Jesus, something's going to happen. Something is going to happen and change your life, change your heart. There's some things in your life that are not going to be the same as they were when you didn't know Jesus. There are changes that take place. But see, is he waiting for that, whatever it may be? You know, the Bible says he's, he's expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you, earnestly here, to bring good in our lives. But he's waiting for you and I. In Romans chapter 8, it says, What shall we then say to these things? That since he is for us, since he's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us along with him, will he not give us all things? He's waiting, you see, to give us all things. He's given us his son, Jesus, but he's waiting for you and I. He waits expectantly. Remember the story of the prodigal son in the book of Luke? Remember that? Uh, the son took his father's wealth and he went and squandered it on some real bad living, okay? He, uh, he, lived, he squandered all of his inheritance. And he finally came to, the Bible says he came to his senses, he finally realized and he went, what if I return to my father? What if I said that? I'll even stay in the servant's quarters. What if I just turned? You see, repentance, repentance means changing your mind and your actions. What if I just changed and went back? Will my father accept me again? And remember what happened? He turned then, and remember, the father ran to him. Remember. And remember that when he ran to him there, he put the robe on him. All of these are symbolic of blessings. And, and then he told his servants, he said, kill the fattened calf. Now, that was a real celebration. And he said, because my son, who used to, was once lost, now he's been found. 
The Father accepted him back. And you see, he'll accept us back. But he may be waiting on you and I to return, to turn and come to our senses and turn back to him and return to him. And we'll see the Father running to us, you see. Isn't that great? That's good news, church. That is fantastic news. So no matter what's happened in your life, when you turn to the Lord and you say, Lord, I don't want this in my life. I want to do it your way now. I've lived my life my own way and all, and I realize that it doesn't bring satisfaction. There's no, obviously, glory in it like I thought it would be and all. And you turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you first place in my life. I want to return to you. I again want you to be Lord of my life. Don't you know? The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice for one who repents. For one who repents. What would happen if the whole church would repent and say, Lord, get rid of this apathy. Get rid of this lethargy off of me and let me burn and blaze for Jesus. What would happen? I believe you'd see things happening that we've never seen before in the church today. I believe that we'll come to a place that that will happen one day because I believe it has to before God finishes what He desires to do in His church. You see, the people here in the Israelites, they weren't people who, were, who didn't know God. They were not. Actually, they were church folk. They were church folk He was talking about. He was talking to His children. His children had strayed away from Him. That's who He was talking to in this scripture not some you know, type of heathen in that sense. He was talking to his children. So why God has to wait? You see, he earnestly, he graciously, he, he, learn, he yearns to see us to come back to him. But obviously, they went and depended upon the flesh. When you make your own decisions, no matter what it is, and I'm talking about everything, and I'm talking to myself too. When we make decisions based upon somehow things that make us feel good or maybe somehow to try to keep up with the Joneses or whatever it may be, and we don't go to the Lord with it, there's a good chance there that it may get you out of the will of God. That it may somehow get you out of what God desires, His highest purposes for you. Now, don't get me wrong. God will take and He corrects and, and He'll redirect you and so forth. He's a God full of grace and He's full of mercy. But he's saying, look to me first. Come to me first. Pray. And that's why last week, when we, two weeks ago, when we talked about the, our prayer life and so forth and how important that is, it's important to seek the Lord. He'll speak to you if you ask Him to speak to you. You have to be ready and listen. Pay attention and be willing to obey. But He'll speak to you and He'll guide your life. I'm so glad my God guides my life. Aren't you? Amen. He guides us. Hallelujah. And He puts us where He wants us to be. But when we want to do things on our own, I want to tell you, it can get us in a whole lot of trouble. Egypt, the flesh here. The Bible says in verse 12, it talks about, Therefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise and spurn this, my word, and trust in cunning and oppression and crookedness and perverseness and rely on them, obviously. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 31, Woe to those who go down to Egypt, the flesh, for help, who rely on horses... Horses are a symbol of strength who rely on their own strength, who trust in the multitude of their chariots, again, strength, and the great strength of their horsemen, strength, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. He says, woe to them. 
So when we don't pray, when we don't seek the Lord and seek His face, then what we do is we wind up doing our own thing. Amen. That's what's happened to this country. This country was founded on biblical Christian principles, on Jesus Christ. Read Patrick Henry's writings. Read some of the founders' writings here. I'm not talking about a generic God necessarily, and some did, but I'm talking about primarily it's based upon the Word of God. And we've strayed from the Word of God. How do I know? Look at the decisions that the Supreme Court are making concerning homosexuality and marriage and all this kind of stuff. How many of you in here today would ever think that the Supreme Court would say, hey, you know, go out and marry whoever you wanted to want to marry? How many of you in here? I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime, but we're here. It's because what we've done is we despise the Word of God. We said this book is an archaic book, and I don't even want it in my house. I don't want to read it. I don't want to study it. I don't want to know what God thinks about this. And so therefore, what do we do? We go down to Egypt, and we rely upon our own flesh. We rely upon our own judgment, and we find we get in a whole heap of trouble here. You know, it's relating here to the Bible. All the stuff, oh, life doesn't begin. I mean, even now, where Virginia and other states have said, well, we'll just take the baby. If you want the baby, fine. Then, If not, then we'll do something. You see, we're at a point, and if you don't realize it, and I don't realize it, and come to the reality of the deprivation that we have stooped to because we've allowed this stuff to happen, and the people, he's talking to the people in the church, we've allowed that to happen, church, you and I. And I want to tell you, only by the help of the Spirit, only a move of God's Spirit will ever, ever change things. Because I can't do it in the natural. I can obviously vote, and we need to vote. You need to pray for this particular election. I believe here in November is going to be one of the most crucial elections that we'll ever have in my lifetime. You need to pray, and you need to pray. And you need to diligently pray. And that's why when we talk about prayer, how powerful prayer is how it moves. You need to pray for, for President Trump. You need to pray for our Congress. You need to pray for our legislatures. You need to pray for our Supreme Court. You, need, you and I need to pray and pray and pray. You see, otherwise, we're going to lie on Egypt on our chariots and horses. And that's why we're there. You know, I was talking this morning and I talked to Scripture and Joshua. It talks about they forgot the miracles of God. So they didn't pass it down to their children. They didn't pass their faith down to their children. They forgot the miracles of God. Today, the American church many times will say, Jim, you're talking about something that's not even, not even biblical, the miracles of God. And I say, baloney. It is. Our God is an awesome God. Our God still does these things today. But the church has been taught today that these things are not even relevant to today. That is not right. The miracles of God. Who God? God's supernatural. You see, Joshua during that time, they, they, they didn't pass it down. And so therefore he said, forgot the miracle. Actually, it was judges. And the judges said, forgot the miracles of God. And so what happened is they went in all types of directions. They didn't talk about Jesus. How many times even... In years past, and if you weren't raised in a Christian home, this wouldn't be true, and certainly I'm glad you're here today. 
But many times, you know, we gather around the table and it's, if we do that at all anymore, and we talk about everything except for Jesus. Everything except for Jesus. We need to remember God's miracles. We need to talk about them. We need to keep them before us day and night. And then whatever God shows us in our hearts and minds, we need to say, Lord, get it right and get it out of my life, you see. He's talking to his own people here. He's talking to people who were in church every week. He's talking for, to people that maybe said, hey, I'll give a turkey at Thanksgiving to this family over here. He's talking to people to do, that do that. And they basically were just trusting in their own selves of what was happening. They were self-willed, you see. And they weren't asking God what to do. They depended upon their own natural uh, thinking. That's why we pray. The Bible says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why people sometimes when you talk to them, it's like, you know, they want to hear, here comes some kind of Jesus fanatic up here again. Here he comes. Get out, you know. <laughs> here he comes. Don't share that with me. I want to live the way I, I'm a self-made man or self-made woman. Don't talk to me about Jesus and all. And that's what's happened. And what it's happened, it's permeated our culture to where we are, where we are today. And we don't trust God with our problems. We don't return to the Lord and in and, and, and quietness and in trust, confidence in God Almighty. We don't do that. And God is saying, I'm waiting on you, you know. What would happen if God sent the blessing without our repentance? It would only drive us further into deception. So if he rescued them while they were trusting in Egypt instead of him, they would think that's the way to do it. You know, here's the question. If, if I went out tomorrow and poured sand in my gas tank instead of gasoline and God miraculously made my engine run perfectly, I would conclude that the way you keep your car going is by depending on sand in your gas tank, right? <laughs> if you're reinforced by doing this and so forth, so what does he do? He waits until we come to him and humble ourselves, become transparent, and say, Lord, I can't do this, but I'm coming to you. I was talking to the Lord yesterday about it. I said, Lord, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know whether I've done this right. I don't know anything, Lord, but my dependency and my trust is on you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Amen. What does He say? In part of your ways or all of your ways? All of your ways. And He will direct your paths. You know, you say, but you say, Jim, this is kind of hard stuff you're talking about. This is tough. Don't. Yeah, come on, give us, a, give us a real smooth sermon that builds my ego and builds me up some and so forth. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. It's the truth, church. It's the truth. It's the church. And I don't want to build up self-esteem. Let me, let me say this. I know God edifies us and he builds us up. 
But there's a time and a season to say, Lord, come examine my heart. Examine my heart by the spotlight of your spirit here. You see, there's a great deception of our day. There's a lawless spirit that the Bible talks about marching through the land. And the church's own lawlessness has opened the door for it. What's happening with the Methodist church? Anybody know? Keeping up with it? Here in Lake City, uh, I believe it's in Lake City in Galveston County anyway. You know, they're splitting because the one part of the Methodist church wants to ordain and exalt uh, homosexual pastors and leaders and so forth. They're doing that. And so the church that reads the word of God and doesn't despise the word of God says that, that homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. I want to tell you, and I'm not just talking about that. I'm not picking on that particular lifestyle, so, so to speak, completely. He's talking about any lifestyle that's contrary to the will of God. It can be adultery. It can be fornication. It can be lust. It can be idolatry. It can be a whole lot of things here today. What's happened is coming, has entered into the church house and it's very blatantly clear because John Wesley, who established, basically established the, 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 uh, the Methodist church, he would roll over in his grave if he knew what was happening in the Methodist church today. We've got to get back to the Word of God and the purity uh, of the, the Word that is there. You see, we've tolerated it in our society. You know what happens here? A lot of your celebrities saying, oh, there are many, many ways to God. You know, these people, I mean, Jesus is your way, but he's not my way. You know, there are many ways, and celebrities are promoting that to the max. And what you've got is a younger generation who's on social media, who's reading that stuff and filling their minds with that day and night. And what happens? They begin to believe it. Because what you feed your spirit actually will cause it either to grow or to die. If you feed your spirit on the Word of God, it will grow your spirit. And obviously, that your desire for God will become greater and greater. And what happens if you don't? The other side. I always said, you can feed the white dog or the black dog. You continue to feed the white dog being symbol of good or the black dog being symbol of evil. If you feed the good dog, the white dog, and so forth, then obviously you're going to walk in the Spirit. But you can feed the bad dog. And you're growing that also. That's what's happened. I believe that we need to get ready. Why do I share with you every day? In the special last few weeks, it's because I believe things are happening. Let me give an example. I love the cruise. It's like a mini sabbatical for me. Y'all know I was on the cruise last week. We went to Cozumel and then Grand Cayman, the islands, and then to Jamaica. And I don't care anything about seeing any of the stuff there or whatever. I'd get off and spend just a few minutes, but I don't care. I love getting and praying. And so I get off somewhere in the deck and, and pray and read and so forth. And I'm not trying to be pious. So what I'm going to say from this point on in this message, I'm not trying to be pious about it. I'm saying today, I need Jesus. I need Jesus, okay? And so I get off and I pray and so forth. And we were in the Cayman Islands. Beautiful. Water is beautiful. I love to see it. And I know maybe if you've seen it, it's an awesome place. It's beautiful. I love God's creation. I love to be out on the seas. I, I probably would have been a sailor if I'd, come in, if I'd been that old in that time period. I would have probably volunteered to be a sailor. Uh, in the Navy, but uh, I loved it. I had a good times with the Lord, uh, studying the Word and prayer and so forth. But we were, I, w I had gone on the Grand, Grand Cayman Islands. My, my wife was with me, and then her sister and brother had never cruised before. 
they were with me, and they were on the islands. And I came back to the ship to get on the ship there. And uh, I, we were standing there in our, our room, and all of a sudden, that huge ship, the biggest one, I guess, in Carnival's fleet, started shaking, just shaking like this, shaking. I said, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? Is he turning the propellers the opposite way? No, because it was shaking too hard. And I said, what happened? So we went up on the upper deck, and one of the ladies said, we just, we just had an earthquake about 100 miles away from where we're at. And it was a 7.8 on the Richter scale. And my, my sister-in-law and her, her husband were on the island, and people started running out of the stores and everything because the place was just shaking and so forth. Uh, why do I say this? I say this because in the Bible it says in the last days that earthquakes, famines, pestilences will begin to increase like a woman's labor pains. You know, woman, y'all have had babies. And when those labor pains begin to get worse and worse and worse, the Bible says to look up and be watchful for your redemption is drawing near. There used to be earthquakes, if you remember. They're greater now than ever. But it used to be on the Pacific side, on the Pacific rim, because there's a fault that runs through there. But now they're in the Caribbean because wasn't a couple weeks ago that Puerto Rico also had an earthquake? And now, and it could be said, well, it's on the same fault, whatever. And a lot of people, let me tell you, will say, well, you know, there are earthquakes and they happen and so forth. No, I see them as signs that you and I need to get ready. I don't know when Jesus can come back, and I don't know all that. There's a different theological stance, but I know one thing. He's coming back again. Amen? He's coming back. And you and I need to get ready. And that means our relationship with Jesus needs to be closer and closer because, you know, I believe God is waiting here. Very, very serious. A lot of scripture here. Y'all read it and all. And when it happens to you, remember, don't always blame God for it or the devil for it. It could be God's allowing something to happen in your life. And I believe in, in taking authority, certainly, over the spiritual things. But sometimes, I believe it could be God trying to get our attention. And no matter what, whether it is or not, He uses all things for our good, right? Romans eight twenty eight. He'll use everything for our good here. But blessed, happy, fortunate, be envy are all those who earnestly wait for Him, who get ready. I believe it's through prayer and repentance that God is getting ready. One more thing. Please don't misunderstand me what I'm getting ready to say. I am not against um, country western music. I'm not against any music, but I was in one of the places where they have music on the, on the uh, ship. And uh, the, the band, it was a good band. And they were playing country western music. And they played a music, uh, a, a song about friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer, blah, blah. And I looked out at that crowd and, and old and young, old and young were mouthing the word singing. They knew every word to that song. And I looked and stood. And I can't judge. It's God. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to be pious at all here. I need, I need Jesus. But I thought about it. 
And I said, what, what if they were singing praises to God on that ship? What if that band was playing music and Ed's going to sing it? And I want y'all to stand how, how obviously um, the song that we set up, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, yes, how, how great they are. Let's sing it together. I just drew a blank. Let's sing it together. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. You know, what if they were singing that? Instead of I have friends in low places where the whiskey drowns. There were people around there and they were all, many of them were two, three sheets in the wind. But I said, what? And you say, Jim, yeah, but that was, they say the fun shit. Okay. They're having fun. Why can't we have fun in Jesus? Amen. Why can't we do that? And you say, but you know, not everyone will receive Jesus, right? But let me, let me tell you, I'm going at it as if, in my prayers, that everyone will receive Jesus. Amen. They make the decision. They make the choice. And so today, the choice is yours and mine, whether or not we consecrate our lives to the Lord. Whether or not we say, Lord, I want everything out of my life that's not like Jesus, get it out. Any compromise. Is there any compromise in your life? Is there something that you have put before God in your life? Today may be the day in saying, Lord, remove it and take it out of my life. I want you more than anything in this world. If you're here today and, and just a little bit, I, you don't know what's going to happen. Or you, maybe you're saying, you know, if there's a little hunger in your heart today, just a little bit and say, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. Then I believe it's God's spirit stirring. And I believe that's what's happening today. Cindy picked something up the other day and sent me a text. The lady who wrote this is Ann Graham Lotz. Y'all know Ann Graham Lotz? Ann Graham? Billy Graham's daughter, okay? And she said this, and this is a quote. Revival begins when you draw a circle around yourself and make sure everything in that circle is right with God. Maybe something we can do. Everything in that circle is right with God. I believe when this revival takes place, 
which I'm longing for. And you may say, well, everybody's going in the opposite direction, more killings and so forth. Then I still, I hope in my salvation and I hope in holiness. Thank you. Because I believe all things are possible with God. How many believe it? Amen. Raise your hand. All things are possible. Can those people on that cruise ship, instead of singing, I got friends in low places, can they sing how great they are? You say, you think, Jim, you're real far-fetched. No, I'm not. Not for God. Not for God. God can do it. I believe God can bring revival if we'll yield our hearts to him and give ourselves consecrate. Consecrate means set apart. What is your purpose? Is it to get the most toys so when you leave, you can die and say, I had the most toys before I left this world? Or is it always that your life and your walk with Jesus would glorify his holy name? That's a choice that we make. We got people in here walking through the veil of tears. And uh, we got some of you here who've got kids or family members that you're praying, Lord, bring them all back home. Well, bring them all back home, Lord. See, I want them all to come home. Come home to Jesus. Every man and woman, every old and young, every father's daughter, every mother's son, to be happening, you see, as we get ready, as we cry out. Because Jesus is the only answer. It's not going to a concert and everybody holding their phones up, putting their lights on. I look for that day when stadiums will be filled with people singing praises to our God. Amen. I look for that day. I don't think it's too far-fetched. My God can do it. Your God can do it. He's going to bring them all back home. There are people out there today that are lonely and hurting and everything else seems to try to come in and the devil works to bring things in that looks like it satisfies and it doesn't. You see, I got away for a week and it was nice, and I like it. Don't get me wrong. But I don't put my hope in it. I love the Caribbean. It's beautiful. I don't, I don't put my hope in it. My hope is in Jesus. Because he'll never, ever, ever disappoint me. And I ask you that today, if there's anything that in your life that you feel like God has spoken to you about, what's the Spirit of God saying to you? You know, I don't... We've shared a word, but what the Spirit of God is saying to you today is what's important. I just ask you today to respond to that, to the Spirit. It's not about me. It's not about necessarily Lighthouse Fellowship. It's about Jesus and your relationship. And I believe that this revival, this move of God's Spirit, I can feel the brooding of the Spirit. I can hear that thunder on the edge of the town. I love the trains and I hear it thundering and I can hear it before he blows the whistle. He's coming and he's catching. I can hear it coming. How about you? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? I hear it. 
And I believe as we get ready, God will bring in a sweep of His Spirit to bring them all back home. I don't want anybody to perish. I was telling the Lord this morning that I said, Lord, I don't have a burden for the lost. You have a burden, Lord, for the lost, but give me that burden. Put it on, Lord, as much as I can. For people around me that I brush shoulders with and go right on many times, and I never think about it in saying, you know, where it's appropriate, where it's God gives you that time to say, do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Many people around who have not. And there are many away, but he's going to bring them back all back home. I say this today to encourage you. Don't waste your time in things that won't profit you anything. Put your faith and trust in Jesus, your relationship with Jesus Christ. The only thing you can take to heaven is your relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. And thank you for your presence. How awesome you are, O oh God. Decisions being made in this place today. We ask you to seal upon their heart. The widows walking through the veil of tears. Every man and woman, old and young. Every father's daughter. Every mother's son. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my bones. You're going to send revival and bring them all back home. So if you've been praying for somebody that doesn't know the Lord, a family member, a child, and they're, they're off, remember the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. The father was waiting, waiting to put the robe on him and the sandals on him and kill the fattened calf to celebrate and to say, because this one who's returned, the angels in heaven rejoice. We thank you. You see, I was that one. I was that one. And I walked away. I knew what was right, what was wrong, but I walked away. And I didn't really diligently seek the Lord. I, I just kind of said, well, yeah, I'm saved because, you know, this and that. I, I accepted Christ, but I had never walked with Jesus. And he went after the one. He left the 99 and went after me and brought me back home. Father, do it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.